In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Nathans podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and we are fired up today to be joined by Saturday Down South's Chris Marler. Chris is the host of the College Football Uncensored podcast and is very active on the Twitterverse at Vern Funquist. Always fun to interact with. So, Chris, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, man. I, I just got to ask right off the bat, like, are you actually excited? Are Georgia fans excited that I'm here? Because... Honestly, I don't think until Tennessee fans showed their ass, it became the worst people like we all knew they were. Um, <laughs> I was always button heads with Georgia fans. Yeah, so from our perspective, we always love a spirited debate, so it doesn't bother yeah. us one bit. Now, I can't speak for the fan base. I will say this. We have squabbles within the fan base, so we, uh, we, we get that on, on, on all counts. Um, every, every fan base has the, has the ones we'd all like, I think, to maybe stay away from the tailgate, but they find That's their like way. That's like most of our idea. entire fan base for Bama, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I always joke around about it because like, I know, you know, like I, I've, I'm fully aware that I bring all of that on myself. Like it is, it's a constant thing that's like, you know, it could be avoided, but I mean, I just, I tell you, what, I love college football and I love like, talking about it and, and, um, None of the stuff I just said really backs up why I would argue on Twitter constantly for for hours of a day. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 something to keep us busy. So I want to ask you about this to start because I saw it from from your show and I, I thought, first off, the balls to proclaim it on the Friday before the game when I, let's be serious. Nobody nationally was saying it. You came out and just since said Tennessee is going to get their ass beat on Saturday. They want the smoke and they're about to get all of it. And they're about to get humbled. Whereas the national narrative was Tennessee is the greatest show on turf. Greatest thing since sliced bread. And we were kind of sitting here like did 2021 and the beginning of this year, like not happen. Is Georgia like a JV team now? We couldn't wrap our brains around it, but we're biased. right? So hearing you say it and that you said it on the Friday before the game, it was like, okay, there is rational thinking still in the college football world. Yeah. I think that, thank God they won. Cause I think that's what ended up like giving me like a leg to stand on with Georgia fans for, for a long time. Um, but no, like, you know, for me, it was like, we had a couple of Georgia fans reach out and everyone knows me that knows I'm very transparent about it. And like, I cover SEC football primarily and, but I did grow up a Bama fan. I grew up um, not not a huge fan of Georgia, but I respect the shit out of Georgia um, with what Kirby's built and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I don't think that a lot of fan bases understand the psyche of Georgia fans as much as like maybe I do some, from living in the state for so long. And that psyche was real fragile for a long time because of the way they lost. And, and people, you know, will make fun of them for it. I, I would do it too. Like, you know, fans troll and all that kind of stuff but they had multiple kick sixes over the last like decade or so. Like they had multiple like, like moments like that. And, and other fans don't really realize that, but what Kirby has done is built something completely different than anything we've seen. So we had a couple of Georgia fans reach out and they said they wanted like a pep talk. And I was like, I mean, there's like, there's been moments where I've seen the Kirby pep talks before they played Bama and like, yeah. Oh, dude's fucking eight. And I'm like, 
yes. One, I need to go to cookout right now because I <laughs> forgot to have lunch. And then two, like, I just, I miss that so much. Like I, I miss that like intensity and like, and like correctly guided intensity, not, not like, you know, you're just mad to be mad. And I just, I mean, I watched that Bama, that Bama Tennessee game. It was a great game. If you love Pac-12 football from the early 2000s, you would have loved that game. Um, <laughs> but I just, all the things that Georgia, all the things that Bama did to lose that game outside of some of the stuff, stuff with the refs, we'll just leave it at that. Um, no, I, I think that like Georgia doesn't do any of that kind of shit. They just don't do any of those, like they don't make the same mistakes that anyone in the country really does. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah, the thing that was interesting for us was, and we had said this after the Bama-Tennessee game, I had asked my co-host, I said, you know, do you think the result of that game was more of an endorsement of Tennessee or an indictment of this year's Alabama? And I made the argument with him that for me, it was more the latter because Alabama still should have won that football game, even yeah. given the 17 penalties and even... And, Look, they blocked the kick that flutters in to win it. And like my dumbass was celebrating it like in the hallway because I thought it was blocked. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, what? What happened? Yeah. And so like I just I also thought too, and here was my big thing with it. All the big wins had happened on Rocky Top at Neyland. Mm. And they hadn't played in an adverse environment no. since the Pitt game, really. And Pitt is not a good football team. And no, they gave no they gave Tennessee all they wanted. So I just yeah. I felt like there was a lot of, OK, they're going to be on this platform for the first time. Georgia has been here now enough where it, yeah. I don't think the moment's going to be too big for them. And also, we felt great about it, too, after the release of the initial CFP rankings, because as soon yeah. as Tennessee was one, I text my coast and I go, happiest guy on the planet is in Charleston, South Carolina right now. And that's me. And I said, second happiest yeah. guy, Kirby Paul Smart, because right. he is going to use this all week. They still don't respect your ass. You're yeah. still not at the top of the mountain. And so they came out and just put on, I thought, a master class Man, all afternoon. I got to go to it with a, an old buddy of mine, uh, Cole Posey from, from Millersville, Georgia, where we went to college. And it was, I, I like, I'm not saying, I'm not just saying this. Okay. And now a lot of stuff happened to me on Twitter that week from Vols fans because that video. And, and like, I get it because that, that, that stuff always happens. And, and, you know, a majority of Tennessee fans aren't like that, just like every fan base, right? It's just like there's, right. there's like the five percent that are awful. The stuff that was said after that to me, like for like like a twenty four to forty eight hour period, when Georgia won and the way they were winning, I'm not making this up. Like besides the SEC championship game that Bama won in twenty twenty one, like when like I went through this like shit year, that's the happiest I've been after a football game. I think maybe ever. Like it's been like, <laughs> since like since like a national title, like probably probably second in twenty six, like. It, like I was so happy because I, I really, really love like good football. Like I, I hate, I hate watching like just kind of shitty pre-snap penalties and like and what Bama was, you know, has become and, and was definitely in that game. Um, I don't think it's an indictment, honestly, of like that Tennessee wasn't as good because I think Tennessee is a really good football team. I just think that y'all are on a level that no one else in the country is going to be able to compete with. And just like the late, like the laser focus and, Attention to detail. And by the way, I'll say it since nobody else will. You got like six starters out. Like what you want to do to that is, is have to be a crutch on all your social media arguments for at least nine months, like like Bama fans did. So it's I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah, I think what they've built has been 
and look, right, we, we tell our listeners all the time, look, the, the good old days of Georgia football are right damn now. And yeah. if you're not opening your eyes and breathing that in and living in that, something's wrong with you. Because what Kirby has built and what the administration has worked with him to build from a funding perspective mm-hmm. with facilities and all these things, they, they ain't going nowhere. I mean, no. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is him. I think the gravitas he has is big. And, and I'll be honest with you. And again, biased saying this, but I think nationally he's under-respected for what he's doing. I think people go, oh, it's Georgia. They should be doing this. Well, sure as shit. They should have been doing it for a long time, but they weren't. And it, the only difference is him. <laughs> so It drives me crazy. Like the, the, the inability for people in the national media, people from rival fan bases, people from other fan bases, the inability to give credit, any, any remote level of credit to, to people just because you don't like them or because like you don't like their team or like, or you just, for whatever reason, I remember like my high school coach used to always say, people will forgive you for a lot of stuff, but success is not one of them. And Kirby has come in and he has that, that, you know, awkward first year. And then he goes to the national championship game the year after it probably should have won it. And like, what's, what's honestly impressive to me. And I've said this and people thought I was crazy a while back. Um, when I first brought it up was Kirby will end up with probably more national titles, at least as many, but probably more national titles than Saban, mainly because he's going to coach for another 30 to 40 years. Um, I don't know if we have to wait 30 to 40 years for him to get all those titles at this point because of the level of execution that they're at. And it's tough to keep up like for, for a long period of time, but man, it's just, it's, it is, it's similar to like what Bama did, obviously, but like, He's doing it like defensively at a time when no one else. I mean, you guys had 15 fucking players drafted. Excuse my language, yeah. but 15 players drafted. Yep. Vanderbilt hasn't had 15 players drafted in like since since like the Civil War. Oh, well, so this is the thing. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. We have talked a lot about, you know, majority of fan bases, you're right. They they just hate the opponent. There is no yeah. give credit to the opponent. And we always looked at it like, yeah, do we want to beat Bama 100 percent But we also want to become what they are. Yeah. And the reason they are what they are is because of what Nick has built there. And so like, if you don't respect coach Saban, then you're an idiot. And like, if you don't, if you don't want that level of excellence, then you're an idiot. And I think the the neat thing, interesting thing about Kirby and Seth Emerson wrote this, I can't remember if it's in the Ford or where it was in the book that he wrote about Kirby, but he said that. He's written four books about Kirby. No, no. He wrote a book called attack the day. Yeah. And so um, they they said in the book that essentially they felt like if Kirby had gone into business, right, like had just taken his degree and gone into business, he would have functioned just fine in an executive boardroom, like has that personality. And I think that's the same way with Saban. Right. But I think the thing they're able to flip is they're also able to unite 18 to 22 year old kids across a broad spectrum, which it's just a unique talent set, I think. And I think they both benefit from being coaches' kids. So right. I think that's helpful. Well, I tell you what, what bums me out about it more than anything is that when people discount, when people discount the the talent and the hard work and the success that somebody has for for no reason, like I always get into a pat y'all's one of y'all's biggest fans on Twitter because uh, and I, I love him to death, but he's just he's just such he just argues. I, I feel like I've fucking dated him at, at one point because it's like it's just anything I say is an argument. But, um, but anyway, if he's listening, I still love you, buddy. But, um, no, like when people say stuff like, you know, two was only good because he had good receivers around him. And it's like, okay, that's kind of like what you want to do, right? Like you want to have good players around good players. And then like the whole saving thing, 
people starting to say now that like Saban was only good because the refs, the refs gave him all the calls or he only, you know, he, he monopolized recruiting because of Dodge chargers or, you know, only because of Kirby's defenses. And it's like, man, we we're sitting in the middle of the most dominant stretch uh, like of any dynasty in college history. And, you know, I, I do feel like it's coming to an end for sure. Cause it looks very different. Um, but man, I did not think it would ever be matched. It's real early on with Kirby, but he's close, man. He's really close. I thought it was interesting. I can't remember who said it. Somebody wrote an article. Oh man. I can't remember now if it was on the athletic or it was on ESPN essentially saying maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, Andy it was Staples. Did Andy Staples write the article? Did you read it? That he talked about how Saban had said privately that the only place that he was nervous about was Georgia. If they got somebody in place that could yeah. utilize the resources, everything was there. Everything was there. Exactly right. Yeah, it was It was just stewing and waiting to be tapped. And I think Kirby understood, rightfully so, that if you put a fence around Georgia and you get your kids to stay home, you can't help but be good, right? I mean, if you get an indoor practice facility as well, so if you go practice yep. in the gym, like a high school team, I, I didn't know that was still happening in like like six years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and like, and, and what's cool too to watch it is like, like, you know, I, I, I don't think Kirby left when in the best ways, like with save, because I don't think he knew how to, I think, I think he was mm-hmm. under this person. He was probably nervous of having to leave and, you know, like having, he, he was his longest tenured assistant ever. Um, and hopefully it won't be Bill O'Brien. I know that, but um, with, with Kirby <laughs> leaving, I remember the day it happened when y'all fired Rick, I started cracking up. Cause I was like, typical Georgia, just 10 and two is not good enough. I've like, been 10 and two my entire life. I'm like, who are they going to get? And they're like, Kirby. And I was like, fuck. Because that is, you. because he does, it, the thing that, like, that makes him so impressive to me, and, I, and you're right, he does not get enough respect nationally. And I sat, I sat there all offseason making jokes about being horny for disrespect for you guys. I kind of get it now. Because after the Tennessee thing, and then and the stuff you hear about, the way people talk about Kirby, like, it, like, hear me out here. Kirby is the best coach in college football right now. He's a better coach than Nick Saban right now. And he's better at the entire thing that encompasses that, that role, which is really difficult to do. Like, we're not going to feel bad for millionaires, but they don't get to stop working ever, ever. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's why he cuts his own hair. We know that. And so, <laughs> like, but I mean, like for real, he's doing a better job of the top to bottom things that you have to do at a program. You didn't lose a player in the transfer portal. Yeah. I think what, what I found impressive with him is he, he reminds me, and I'm a big Orioles baseball fan, and he reminds oh me, and I know it's a, it's a hard existence. So imagine pre-Kirby Georgia fan plus yeah. being an Orioles. It's, it's a lot of hurt. You've been living Ray Goff like, for yeah. 162 games a year. That's awful. Yeah, but you know there was bright spots when they had Buck Showalter. And yeah. Kirby, the way he handles the media, reminds me of Buck. Buck would always use the media as a mouthpiece to speak to the fans, like right. to get a message out. And Kirby does that beautifully. And I thought he does, yeah, I think he does it with recruits too. And I thought the post game interview after Tennessee on the field was yeah. a prime example of that, where he comes out and said, We got kids here that love this university. We didn't take one kid out of the transfer portal. I thought that was kind of a way to put a big old flag in the ground and say, yeah. Hey, look, if you want to play college football, come to Athens, Georgia. And he, he doesn't mince words. If he's saying something, there's a purpose behind right. it. I thought that was very calculated to make that I statement. I think it was just that. to get a Jermaine Burton for sure. Just, just yeah. talk shit to him. Uh, yeah. That's, good it. Reason that's it. No, I, I think, I mean, it really is, man. It, it's so cool to watch. And I, I, I sat there did some like self inventory 
because when the national championship game happened, like I was, I mean, I'm a big Alabama fan. Like I am a big Alabama fan. I want them to win every game. I can still be objective, whether people on Twitter want to believe it or not. I could definitely be an objective, like, you know, person, but watching that game, first off, it sucked because I got COVID on Friday and I, so I couldn't oh. go to the game. Then I later found out that everybody who was in that building had COVID. They were just giving it to each other, like just for fun. Like I, anyway, so I, I'm <laughs> sitting there and I lose my voice on Sunday night. And so I have to watch the game, like quarantine off, no voice, just in silence, like fucking Charlie Chaplin. And just like, and I never thought we were going to win. So I'm like waiting for the, like the other shoe to drop. And we got that fumble and, and, and scored. And I was like, oh my God, we, we might actually win the game. And the most impressive thing I saw all year from, from any team and any coach, he had every opportunity to go to, to like bring in JT Daniels. I remember, I will never let him lose this down. Graham Coffey tweeted during the commercial break. It might be time to give JT Daniels a look. I'm like, there's 10 minutes left in the season. You guys are still doing this. And, and he just double quadruple down, whatever you want to call it. And not only did that, but they, they didn't go to the run game to like shelter him. They went, they just aired it out four straight completions and Stetson Bennett won you a national championship. And it was awesome, man. It was like, it really, I got goosebumps now looking at it. Like I just, it was, it was a really cool story. And it was like that for about three days for me. And then it got, then it got real, real tired. Yeah, we were there and brother, it was, uh, it was cold. I'm just going to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I heard. It was, uh, it was real cold, but uh, first time I'd ever been to Lucas Oil, cool venue. I would go back to watch a game there again. It was, it was nice. Reminded me a lot of the bands, sure. uh, very similar. So, oh yeah, the bands? Yeah. I, I mean, it, just I thought neat vantage points. Like I thought wherever you were, it's a good yeah. spot to see the game. And then good concourses. I mean, the concessions were not as cheap as the bends, but still how's the quarterback good. play that goes on side goes on inside of the bends every weekend? <laughs> not great. Not great. Yeah, not great. Yeah. So it was uh it was it was good. And I thought there were some neat moments. And to your point. That's what we were kind of going, you know, when the fumble happens yeah, and they score, we kind of look at each other. Is this, is this seriously going to happen again? Like, are yeah. we going to ha- experience this this way again? Right. And to your point, they came back out and just said, screw it. We're just going to rip it. Like, we're just going to let him rip it and see yeah. what happens. Well, and- that, that's like, that's what you were able to do. And it, it drives mm-hmm. me, it drives me crazy last year here in Georgia fans mainly talk about this. Cause it was like, and, and I understand why, because you had this, you had it again, like this kind of fragile psyche of like, you, you needed a five-star, you needed a five-star to, to, mm-hmm. to win you a championship. And like, if you don't believe that, well, that's what Bama had. They had a bunch of five-stars. Cam Newton was a five-star, Tim Tebow, Joe Burrow ended up being like number one draft pick, whatever. Um, I think there was this idea that Georgia fans kind of had that it was always something from the quarterback that was like, not going to get, get over the hump. And cause like Fromm was probably, you know, not, that was a, just a very weird situation to be in. And it wasn't like he made the wrong decision, but it's just very easy to look back at like 2020 uh, is hindsight and everything, but like our hindsight 2020. I just think that when Stetson did that, the fact that that kid didn't take his helmet off and just give the suck it sign to every fucking person in that building. And I, I asked Kirby <laughs> immediately too, because like, because I, I mean, I know, I know Kirby well enough to like know his attitude or two. He's a competitive guy mm-hmm. and, and everyone doubted him. I talked so much shit about it like the year before about like, you know, if you're a five-star quarterback, why would you go play for Kirby? And, and they just sat there and they knew what they had in him. And if you watched it closely all year, you knew that he, that that's who he was as the quarterback. And that, that game in Atlanta was an anomaly. And, and it was, and I appreciate you guys doing that for me because it was a shit year. 
Um, but it was a, it was awesome, man. It was a it was a great. Like you guys are at a point in your program where you could mess around in the SEC championship because of how like like you were going to be in the playoff. You're already good. And if you could just you could just throw fucking left handed if you wanted to for for sixty minutes against Bama in, in game one, it's crazy. I will say it doesn't take the sting away. My brother and I were there for that one as well to kind of get rid of some demons in that building, and for that to go down the way it went, we were like, "You got to be kidding, man!" Like we might not be able to come back anymore. We might have to just keep our ass at home. Yeah, all. just go to <laughs> like, Indianapolis from now on. Yeah, it might be us. So, yeah, I mean, I thought. I think Stetson's thing too, especially coming into 2021 was the way 2020 ended. And I've made this point a lot. You know, if he didn't separate his shoulder or partially separate his shoulder in the Florida game, they probably don't lose the cocktail party. If we're being honest, they're up 14, nothing when he gets injured. That was so bizarre. They were up 14, nothing. Yeah. And in, in control. And then you have to go to Dewan Mathis. And then it was obviously a whole thing. And there were 78 wheel routes that were completed and that wasn't great. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's different, I think, for his legacy. Maybe JT doesn't have the Mississippi State game. Who knows? But look, if, if the whole Stetson thing, the way it's played out, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. We're talking about a guy who was the feel good story at the Rose Bowl because all the defenders like Roquan Smith were talking about I didn't Stetson know that. Bennett mimicking Baker Mayfield at the Rose Bowl. Like that right. was kind of what you thought you would ever see out of Stetson. And for it to go where it's gone, is outstanding. And then I think personality wise too, it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah. Cause whether it's the fact it's that he packs mailman hat. Yeah. Well, or dude, he packs horseshoes on the sidelines after they take him out of the game. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. I mean, that's outstanding. And you know, I've, I've said this, the haircut he got this off season. What? But he got that haircut this off season. Oh yes. The Quavius. It's the Quavius Ooh. Bennett. Yeah. I mean, I, he just, the personality's great. He did well. <laughs> We posted it when it happened, but they did that, you know, behind the scenes thing for the two teams leading up to the title game. Yeah. And part of it was they do an interview where Jen Latta has come to interview Stetson and lead up to the title game. And she's wearing these black leather pants and he walks in and without breaking a smile goes, did did you ever watch friends? And she's like, yeah, he goes, (laughs) Ross, Ross wore those pants. And I about fell off my chair. I was That's laughing. incredible. So first off, outstanding cultural reference there. Yeah. Stetson Fleming. I mean, that is outstanding. But I don't think she really got it. Like she said she got it, but she didn't laugh like she should have because that was funny. Like right. she's, she's wearing pace pants. Like it's just funny. So anyways, uh, he, he's a time. And this whole thing with his pregame playlist has Bubbly by Colby Calais on it. Wait, what? And then, oh, did you not hear this? Where they no, asked on the pregame playlist and he goes, well, it's just embarrassing. I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, Bubbly by Colby Calais is, is kind of my those jam. fucking soothing sounds of her saying, can you count me in on B98.5? I just, right. I, I go to another place, brother. That's no, it. It's, I mean, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool story for so many reasons. Like that, like the, like, you know, generic parts of it. Like he's a walk on, he did this and that. And like, I, it, it cracks me up sometimes now where I'll still see Georgia fans that are like now on board. And I, and, and I like, again, I get why they, were like doubtful at times last year and, and or whatever, but like hearing, hearing like the narrative change now, because a lot of the fan base was not pro Stetson. Like correct. I think for, and, and correct. it was a lot because of that Florida, that Florida game and the Bama game the year before that. And I, cause I remember watching that Bama game. Y'all were up at halftime and I was like, we get three turnovers. And I remember telling somebody afterwards, I was like, if, if he throws, if he doesn't throw like two of those, maybe one of them, like 
Georgia wins that game by double digits. Like they they were they had they were in that game like and should have probably walked away with it. But you know, I think he had to like have some growing pains and, and to mm-hmm. have the weight of an entire fan base and state and like all that kind of stuff and like with those expectations from from Georgia fans. That's tough, man. That's tough. And he did nothing but, but, you know, just kind of shoulder it. And, and the fact that like when, when he, when he was walking out the field and, and him and Kirby hugged that moment. And then when Kirby and Nick, like Nick, cause they had been, if, if you ever saw those like meetings at midfield before that, it was yeah. most awkward. Like it's like, you know, like going to like a, like the, the principal's office or something weird, but that was really cool to see and see them like both kind of like break, break down like a little bit of the, uh, walls and shit like that it's like hey coaches it was it was a great story man yeah well hey i want to pick some games with you but i want to ask you a broad question just about the cfp picture and how things are setting up sure because obviously rankings got released last night no real change but i kind of want to talk to you about the next two weeks or three weeks and what the pads look like (laughs) they're not in it which is weird it's weird that that's even part of the conversation that they're not in it it's almost Um, like somebody predicted that at the beginning of the year this year well, so this is what I, I th- my question to you is, is do, do a lot of things have to happen for Tennessee not to get in, or is their path broader than people think it is? So I, like, I was up until maybe last night, I kind of felt like it was like a foregone conclusion they were getting in. It, like when they lost to y'all, their percentage odds went up, which doesn't mean anything because it's ESPN, FPI, and none of that shit makes any sense. But um, at the same time, like, they are a really good team and, and like their, their resume, like the hay has been in the barn since before the Georgia game. And, and like, I think if, a, if you watch, this is not taking anything away from Tennessee because no matter how you get it done, if you've lost for 15 years in a row, no matter how you get the dub, like you want to celebrate it. But I think a lot of people thought that was the best win of the year for any team in the country over Alabama. And it's just not, they're like, they're just not, I, Bama's not a bad football team, and they're not like a, you know, I think sometimes people can be skewed about it. Like, they're not elite, though. They're not elite at all. So, Tennessee beating them, but also beating Florida, which somehow that came back to, like, bite them because it was kind of close late, and people aren't really talking about the LSU game at this time, like, nearly enough. I, I don't I don't think that, like, the only thing that hurt Tennessee is that everyone thought they were going to beat you all for some reason, which is the dumbest fucking thing I, I, I've ever heard. Um USC, that's where I get worried. Yeah. USC, like, again, I say I'm worried. But it would be great if they did not make the playoff, just to be honest, for what my job is um, and having to be on social media. But, like, it, it's going to piss me off if if some combination of these three teams, like, going to the actual playoff, and they, they can all three make it, Michigan, Ohio State, and USC, with the, like, like excluding Ohio State, they have been propped up on nothing all mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Nothing. Like they yep. like Michigan, Michigan and Ohio in uh, and Southern Cal are ranked 118th and 115th in the country in terms of uh, their opponents winning percentage. It's at 40%. It's, it's awful. So, but if USC wins out and they have a couple of ranked teams now, they were talking last night about how they beat Oregon state. Uh, right. Like, I, if that's what we're going to argue on, I just, I, this is, that's not a great, great argument. I, it's funny you bring up USC because I've thought it, I've found it a little rich that the seems the argument for USC is that well they only lost to Utah by one point and it was on the road. It's like well, yeah, but they lost and all their wins stink. So who cares? And yeah. they can't play defense at all. 
they had a tough win against Oregon State. They had, no, they, they threw four interceptions to you. Yeah. And you look like trash on it. By the way, did you see that last night? They went so far as to say that was a really close game. It was a two point conversion and it was a really emotional game. And I was like, no way this man just brought up the, the helmets of the dead running back on him. I'm like, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, I, I, they are, they're maneuvering. If, if the charter was supposed to be four best teams, none of that should matter, right? right. But we've, we've moved so far away from that, and it's all this, well, we can't put in a non, non-conference champion. Well, sure you can. If they're four best teams, that's all we're doing, right? So yeah. who, who and, cares? And you look at TCU, man. TCU and Tennessee have very similar, like, like resumes in terms of they've beaten five ranked teams apiece. And, I mean, TCU, did they had four in a row. And I'm not – I don't know how many of those teams, I'm pretty sure maybe none of them are currently ranked. It was like uh, Kansas, Oklahoma and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I don't know how you, I, I don't know like the mental gymnastics that this man, it's a grown ass man named Boo Corrigan is having to jump through to say that TCU, like, like he did it again last night, they had TCU at four. And, I, and the fact that Michigan is just like locked in at three, like they do fucking anything. They, they barely left the state. Like they got like an ankle monitor on. And they haven't played anybody. And, and, and he said last night, he said, you know, we, we, we put up there at four because, you know, they've been improving. They've been improving. It's like, like, like it was a report card that first off, shut up, boo. Like, you don't know football, I'm assuming. And then they said they were going to put up at four because they held Texas to like fewer points and, and it wasn't a high scoring game. I just, I don't fucking get it. It's just. Yeah, the TCU thing. I, I, my, so three of my siblings went to KU. And so I was talking to my brother about it and I said, yeah. And so I said, Hey, uh, do you think if TCU had a different history, even if they had say been in the big 12 for 25 years and hadn't been a non power five before, do you think this would look different from a, just because that's part of it with Michigan, right? It's Michigan. So Michigan gets that, that credibility. Well, I think that TCU doesn't have that. And so it's, hey, look, you got to win out. Yeah. You're, you're essentially like a group of five. That's that's kind of how I see TCU getting treated is Boise State on steroids, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah, that's how they're they, getting looked at. Yeah. You're right. So it's 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 gonna be interesting, man. And I I also find it interesting that if TCU goes undefeated and Michigan, Ohio State, whoever the loser is, if Tennessee does get in. Are you telling me the committee is going to put Tennessee at four? So they got to go to Atlanta and play Georgia again. No, they won't. No, that, no that's, chance. That's the weird thing right there. It's like I, 2020 is when I realized that this whole thing was kind of bullshit. Like, and, mm-hmm. I, and I hate to say that because you want to have like a fair, you know, way to, to figure out who should win games. It definitely, it should not have been what it was in the nineties. It's like, y'all go play a bowl game that, that really matters. It really <laughs> right. fucking matters. Um, and then we'll just have a bunch of Dan Wolkins vote on it from across the country. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Bam was the one that came up with that entire concept. So they could like, if like they knew sports writers and how dumb they were, they were just going to get as many flags as possible to hang from the Raptors. Um, now, that being said, I don't think they're going to put Tennessee in at uh, like to, to face Georgia again in the semifinals. I don't think they would do that at all. And people will have a shit fit about it. I, I just like, I don't know. First off, if you want, if, if you're just doing what like we all know you're doing, which is just trying to create the the biggest like profit for one, mm-hmm. get the most eyeballs on, on, on television to watch it and also have an entertaining game because this, the semifinals have been fucking awful. They've been yeah. awful. Um, yeah. Put Tennessee and, and Ohio state in, in the, the desert and let them play in the festival and go from there. Because in 2020, when, when they had the opportunity to expand it, cause it like, 
every the entire season was like kind of you know just very disjointed and everyone's kind of doing their own thing for a minute they had every opportunity to be like you know what we're gonna expand it to eight teams because like you guys decided to play during covid and instead they're like no we're not the day that they started practice at like cincinnati was the last day they had a chance to to play for the title and then they just put in fucking ohio state bama notre dame and, and clemson it was like yeah anyway yeah it's just all, yeah, it's just, it's just all a farce. And that's why, and look, I, I've been a proponent of bigger field anyways, because at every level of football, except division one football, you have a playoff. Oh, like a bigger field of, of teams. I feel yeah. like we need to make a bigger field. We need to like have a, a much bigger, it's like, what are you talking about? No, like, yeah, like every, from high school, every level of college and in the pros, we have a playoff. Yeah. And everybody comes and plays and, and nobody bitches because everybody got to play each other. Well, they all we, figure it out, right? Yeah. Se- seems seems like we could just figure that out at the division one level. So we'll see. I don't know what they're going to end up doing because there's talks like the 12 might stall and they may not end up going to 12. No, they'll go to 12. I just think I think they're going to go to 12 because they make a ton of money. It, it's it'll be a huge revenue pool. The home the home games in December will be what like drive that a lot, I think. Um and that'll also be interesting too, because you have guys like the guy at Ohio State, Gene, whatever his name is, that like doesn't want to have a home game. Like he he doesn't want them to be at home in Columbus, like in that scenario. He wants them to be like at a. He's like, you don't want to have like leave leave anything to chance, like on like a actual grass field, the outside with the elements. And I was like, God, the Big Ten sucks. They oh, are man. the worst. They are the worst. Yes, they are the worst. I, yeah, well, that's a that's a whole nother conversation. But yes, the big. They are the worst. Um, well, look, I want to pick some games with you. Uh, it, it is admittedly was not a sexy slate this week. So we yeah. have some games on here that maybe normally wouldn't be on the list, okay. but it is what it is. So I told you off air, seven and three is the number to beat to uh, to take home the title belt. I don't know how to as tell you this, man. I'm at 69.1% on the season. Like I've been on fire all year. Well, then we're, we're ready for it. So, all right. First one is tonight. And you're going to notice a theme on this. If there is any type of rivalry trophy or game <laughs> trophy involved, it will be on our list. That's just kind of an, a set rule of the Saturday and Athens show. Yeah. So, so do you like the trophy the, games? Absolutely love it. It's one of my biggest beefs about the Southeastern Conference is that there's not nearly enough trophies. Golden Boot last weekend, it's one of my favorite oh. trophies in all college. Yeah, you know how big the thing is? It's, it's outstanding. It's four feet tall. It's 175 pounds. It's four feet tall. Yes. I, so I did a video of this last year uh, on for SDS because like I just think the trophy like South Carolina and AM play for a trophy. And that's what spawned a lot of this because I was like, what what like what is happening? Like, like Zayas must champ about it. And he's like, I don't even know what that thing is. It's like, well, that's because you never won it, Will. And so, but like he had never seen it. And then you look at the Big Ten stuff and they're like, I've I've got a I've got like one Big Ten friend that I will tolerate. And like when they try to tell me, like, you know, it's a tradition and like you got to wake up and go to 11 a.m. kickoff in front of 1,700 people. Like, who fucking cares? <laughs> but, like, the trophy thing, they really get into. How, did, I don't know who needs to hear this from Big Ten universities, but Paul Bunyan was not a real fucking person. There are <laughs> multiple Paul Bunyan, like, cosplay antiques that were just thrown out. Like, I say the, the best one was the, the one that, uh, ah, fuck, what was it? It was, like, it was, like, Minnesota and, like, Iowa or something like that. And, like, Minnesota and Wisconsin – they put oh. the uh, the old oaken bucket. Yes, yeah. You know the very first year they played for that, it was a zero zero tie because even the bucket didn't want to go home with one of those teams. <laughs> I love that. 
Oh, I'm going to use that on our show next year when we we will we will inevitably pick that game because it involves a trophy. Yeah, so, I'm sorry for hijacking that. I just it made me excited. I love that. Well, so the first one is a trophy game, which I didn't even know this was a trophy game. It's for the Victory Cannon, and it's tonight oh, at eight o'clock. Yeah. Western Michigan playing Central Michigan. Going to be a lot of talent on the field in this one. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, we need a little Wednesday action, and that's what we're getting. So Central Michigan is a ten and a half point home favorite. Right. Who do, who are you liking to take on the victory cannon? Also, I did some research. I was like, why the hell do they have a victory cannon? The reason they have a victory cannon is apparently both it schools rocks. shoot off a cannon when they score. So that's how they got to have the victory cannon. So that's that's the etymology of that. I just don't like the same thing with the boot. It looks cool, but like, don't give me a chore to go carry a 175 pound boot. Like, I, I don't want to wheel off a damn cannon. Like, you can't put that on a bus. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Anyway. It's true. Yeah. Somebody could, uh, somebody could also hurt themselves. So and also Paul Bunyan didn't even shoot that cannon. So I don't want it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm taking central Michigan. They're actually, they're not that bad of a team. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know anything about Western Michigan outside of St. Kalamazoo and, and, and Bell's breweries there. That's, that's enough reason to like them, but they're not even playing at home. Yeah. I, you know, PJ flex not there anymore, so they're not rowing the boat. So I feel like we're just going to go with, with central Michigan. My co-host James is taking central Michigan, central Michigan. Chip what the hell's James? Oh man, he's he's real bitter. He's caught up on a work call right now and is yeah. real upset that he's not here. But I did get his picks, so we'll okay. get him in the log because he and I have a little friendly side competition with the picks. So I love it. we got to we got to keep that track too. All right, so we're all on Central Michigan. I like that. Got something to look at tonight. Now the next one is uh, I will tell you biased. Uh, William and Mary is my alma mater. I played baseball there, and they okay. are playing in what. I have here on the sheet as the South's oldest rivalry, even though I hate everything you're doing, even though UNC UVA tries to claim this, it's, it's ours. So we're going to lay that there. They have renamed it the capital cup. So that's what they're playing uh, for is the capital cup, which is lame. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, William Mary Richmond playing for the colonial athletic association title and an automatic bid into the FCS playoffs. So big game. Oh, it's in the FCS. That's why. Yeah, that's it. So Richmond is a three and a half point home favorite. I will just tell you, imagine the most electric college football environment that you've ever been in. Spiders? 
The Spiders is the opposite of that. Okay. okay? So, so there is no home field advantage here for the Richmond Spiders. Just, just know that going in. But they are a three and a half point home. They're getting the three and a half, the three point home push there. Uh, so essentially a coin flip. Who are you like in this one? I don't know. I, can't, I still can't find the damn game. I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now on ESPN. I like, I, I will say that Richmond was the first school that ever sent me a recruiting letter. Um, and I've always been partial to the spiders, uh, not actual spiders. Those are terrifying. Um, I feel bad if I, if I pick against you, but um, it's kind of the Don't feel bad. For our other team. So um, I'm going to take Richmond. Yeah. Maybe Vegas must know, man. Vegas must That's know right. something. That's right. All right. So my co-host is going to take the tribe and I'm obviously going to take my William, my William Mary tribe. A hark upon the gale as it goes, but um, there's nothing you yeah, said so, in the last three minutes that made any sense to me at all. <laughs> Fun fact about the tribe: one of their receivers is Cam Newton's brother, Kalen. So Cam was in the in Williamsburg three weeks ago. I hope somebody took him. Did one? I uh, did. The guy that was at Howard, the one that the one that was oh, the quarterback man. when they beat UNLV. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it was like, like the biggest spread year, right? bust in history. They were like a fifty point favorite, and Hampton or uh, Howard won straight up. One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. He's got another one that like, there's a video of him walking out of the tunnel against Mississippi state. And he like, somebody was like, man, he lo- he walks like a pit bull. And it was like, I can't unsee it. It looks just like that. It's absurd. <laughs> oh, I, that's funny. Yeah. So Cam was in Williamsburg like three or four weeks ago to see Kalen play. And that, you know, obviously Williamsburg's about as, as big around as the hood of my car. So um, they were, they were very excited to have, to have yeah. Cam in town for that. So I'm going to take the tribe. It'd be big. It'll be their first CAA title since I think, 2012 mike london is the head coach at william mary used to be the head coach at richmond and also right. at uva and was the head um, coach at howard so just a rule the, of thumb from now on if you're going to tell me something about like a schools that i don't know about open with cam newton's associated with one of them and i'll just pick the opposite okay okay see that well it worked out perfectly then yeah yeah you went there you knew you had you had it in your in your in your stomach that that's where it was going so all right the next one is this is one of the games where it was rank on rank when I put it together and it's kind of a, who cares, but Illinois going to the big house to play Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Michigan is a 17 and a half point home favorite Illinois uh, from the big 10 West that nobody wants to win apparently at all. Yeah. So who, who do you like in that one? Are, are, first off, are we betting the spread or are we betting? Yeah. Okay. Betting spreads. Um, yeah. I would, I, I would take Illinois. If I was betting on it, I would bet the under, um, mm-hmm. Not, not Illinois. I'm sorry. I would. I would take. I would take Michigan. Uh, Michigan. They're at home, right? Yep. Again. Yep. Yeah. It's good for them. Good for them. Um, <laughs> at some point, they're gonna have to move out. Just fucking Matthew McConaughey failure to launch over here. So they they've uh, they get Ohio State at home next week too. So I, there could be like a look ahead spot there, but also like I don't think Illinois does anything well enough offensively to to take advantage of like Michigan's defense. So I, I would take Michigan. Take him in, in the first half too. Yeah, James is going to take Michigan. I am as well. I just I, I like what Brett Bielema is doing in Illinois. I think it's a yeah. great fit there culturally. Um, and I think college football is better when Illinois is relevant. And maybe that's just because I grew up in the 90s when they had guys like uh, who they had. They had yeah, they had all the good linebackers ended up playing in the in the NFL. I've never you heard know. anyone say that out loud, but I thought it to myself last week. I was like, that's a cool looking logo that's up there with the, and everything like that. I haven't, you know, yeah. they, they made a couple of bowl games in, in the late they 90s have been, they have been horrendous for like yeah. 20 plus years so but i think bielema is a good fit he you know it's it's essentially like wisconsin light there in champagne so that works out state. just just fine that's right so yeah we're all going with michigan on that i 
yeah, I just don't think Illinois is very good offensively. All right, here we go. Like I told you, trophy game. You want to talk about a, a meaningless one? Floyd of Rosedale. Do you know what this the is? The big fat pig. Is? It's the big fat pig. That's right. That's exactly. They're playing right. for Brett Bielema. That's, that's right. <laughs> They're playing for Bielema. Exactly. So again, Iowa and Minnesota, Big Ten West matchup here. Is anybody going to make it to Indianapolis for the title game? It does not look like they are. I know, but that uh, there shouldn't be any fans there for sure because it's going to be an yeah. awful game to watch. Minnesota two and a half point home favored. Are they going to be rowing the boat after this one, or are the Hawkeyes going to prevail? Every time somebody has brought up Iowa to me this year, I have forgotten, like a like a men in black, like zap my memory away from me that how bad they are on offense. And this is a kid at quarterback who in week one had a 1.1 rating in QBR. And in the following week, bumps up to 3.4. Tough to do. Um, I, I mean, Minnesota should win. I think they were kind of banged up through part of the season. But, like, Iowa's defense is still really good. I know they got torched yeah. by, by uh, Ohio State. But, I mean, they've only given up over 40 points, I think, in the Forens era of, like, like, five times in the last, like, six years. Um, so it's probably gonna be hard for Minnesota to score, but they're at home. So I just, there's nothing about Iowa. There's a stat that came up a few weeks ago where they said if they punted on first down, it would have been a better result. Like this is like a, like a, like a data point. I'm like, so yeah, Minnesota by a thousand. Yeah. James is taking the Gophers and so am I, uh, if, if you went back and listened to all our shows, which I wouldn't advise doing, but if you did, you would know that I'm very much team PJ Fleck. So yeah. I will, I will row the boat with the Gophers on this. And just to your point, Iowa's offense has set modern football back 55 years. I mean, it is just horrendous to watch. How they put Wisconsin should be ashamed of themselves. How Iowa put up that many points against another college football team is beyond me. So if the fact that that game is still being played in the Lord of or the year of our Lord 2022 is tough. All right. The next one that we're going to pick is a bonus game. So we're not going to count, it, but we had to pick it because it is the 40th anniversary of the band is out on the field. Oh yeah. So yeah. So we had to pick this one. I couldn't have it on there. Even though Stanford and Cal both stink this year, it is the big game, the battle for the Stanford ax and Cal is a four and a half point home favorite over the Cardinal. Who do you like in that one? Uh, this game, like that stadium sucks for one. That entire, mm-hmm. uh, my ex's like family went to like all of the Pac 12 schools except for the fun, fun ones. They only went for academics. Um, <laughs> and Berkeley is a great town, but that is a, it's not a bitter rivalry. I mean, at all, obviously. Um, God, Cal is really bad, man. They're really, really bad. And I can't get over the fact that Stanford beat Notre Dame. Same. They've just been so awful in every other game this year. So I, I'm going to take, Cal, I guess. I don't know. See yep. the player on Cal. Yeah. Uh, so their quarterback is Jake. Uh, no, 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 not Jake. Jack Plummer. Which? What did you? What did you? What did you? What would you immediately Google search if you read that Jake name? Jake Plummer from Arizona State. That's what I thought, right? I thought yeah. it's got to be his kid. Well, it's not. Apparently, of zero relation. Even though he lives in Arizona, went to Gilbert High School, which I think is where Spencer Rattler went. You know um, so much. So, anyways, Cal. I, we're all going to take Cal. Uh, it but also isn't that the? But field? you guys are all taking Cal. Yeah, we're going to take Cal too. Remind me of this in Cal, the field where one of the things they tell you to do is to go sit and watch the game at in some vantage point outside the stadium in the trees. It, so it seems like you show up, it's a, it's just a lower bowl and, and you walk up and it's like, I remember like my ex's brother was a, was a teacher there. And, and it was like, he got his like PhD at 37 and then realized that there's like not a job market for whatever he got his damn PhD in. So best of luck Ian. So 
But if you if you go there on the outside, it looks really cool because it's like the outside of the stadium is somewhat modern. And you look over and you see like the the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, and then you have to walk into the stadium and sit there for three and a half hours, and it is dog shit. Like they should allow Marshawn Lynch to come back and drive the cart on the field, like in like like a Frogger situation, like the just to make it like more fun. Yeah, like I, I I read that somewhere and I thought, well, that's interesting that they're telling you to watch the game from outside of the state. That seems to be a bit of an indictment on the in stadium experience yeah. if that's why we're going to Cal is to watch it from outside. So, anyways, but yeah, we have that one on there because uh, I think the announcer's name is Joe Starkle. He was also mm-hmm. the uh, play-by-play announcer for the 49ers. So he was the famous Dwight Evans announcer for the catch yeah. in the back of the Dwight end Clark. zone. Yep. Our Dwight Clark. Yes. Thank you. And then uh the Terrell Owens catch from Steve Young in the playoff game against the oh, Packers. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so same guy. Football guy, I like this. Yeah, so he, um, so yeah, they did a feature on him on ESPN this week, which was cool. So, anyways, that's why we had that one, but we won't count that one because that game just right. stinks out loud. All right, next one is on here. Tennessee going to South Carolina. They can't screw this up, right? But they are a twenty-one and a half point road favorite. Uh, Vols are debuting their go big orange helmets this weekend with the all white kits. So we'll see how that turns out. How have they never worn that before? I don't know. I don't know. I, I know, honestly, I think it would look better with the orange pants. If you went orange pants, white top, orange orange lid, I think it'd look great. But anyways, they're going to do that. South Carolina seems like they're a hot mess. What do you think? Tennessee covering that number or, or, or the Gamecocks cover the 21 and a half? Okay, so this is your last bit of competition for um, for Tennessee that people are going to respect. Uh, just because yeah. South Carolina is better than Vandy. Um, and and I, I thought you'd see more of it last week. And you didn't see it in the first half. You definitely saw it in the second half a little bit. But like it would, it would be a really good move for Josh Heupel to try to get Hendon Hooker the Heisman, and it mm-hmm. should not be very difficult because of the teams he's going up against. Um, I hate, I hate like where South Carolina's at right now because like man, my my sister went there, my family lives in Columbia. Um, it's a fun school. It's hot as hell, obviously, but like Beamer yep. is such. He's just he's basically like I don't know anorexic uh, Sam Pittman. That's just he's a twelve year old Sam Pittman, and. He's so difficult to, to not like, even though Kirby hates him. But, like, you could see this coming, man. Like, the schedule is so brutal. You could see this coming, like, a mile away. Um, I don't think they're going to win this game, obviously. Uh, I would think that the Tennessee, there's no reason for them to call the dogs off. And we saw it last week against uh, Mizzou that they refused to let me start watching the fucking Bama game at a reasonable time because they had yep. six minutes left in the fourth. Take like listen. This has been like a system play all year. Take Tennessee if you're betting on it first quarter uh, to cover six and a half. First uh, half to cover thirteen. Uh, take them to score first, and then also take them to take twenty two and a half because South Carolina is one of the worst first uh, quarter and first half teams in the country. Yeah, James is taking Tennessee. I'm going to take them too. I learned my lesson last week. I liked the number with Mizzou going in last weekend. I thought with Mizzou's defense, and there'd be a little bit of a kind of letdown after losing to Georgia and whatnot, but they came out in the second half and just blew yeah. the absolute doors off the Tigers. And then uh, Drinkwitz gets the contract extension, so it all worked out. <laughs> so maybe that's the recipe there in, uh, in the Columbia of the West. Incredible, so, man. Yeah. So, yeah, we're all going to take Tennessee. I, I think these next two weeks for them are auditions. And yeah. I, people kind of wrung their hands a little bit about Heupel scoring late against Mizzou. I get it. Look, it's a beauty contest now. You, you got to – no. Blow everybody out. Didn't bother me one bit. So it bothered me a lot because I was in Auburn, Alabama, and trying to watch an Alabama game surrounded by Auburn fans. Um, it was it was an uncomfortable situation. Yo, you have to tell us about your trip to the Plains. I've not been to the Plains. Was it was it a good time? 
Dude, I, so it was awesome. It was awesome. I, I, again, I just love college football. And basically, like, we I, we had a um, we had a situation, like, where, like, we just, like, weren't going to go on trips to go to any games. And it's like, why? Like, what yeah. what is going on? Um, and so I just, like, you know, like, I love going to games. And we have a big enough audience and, like, you know, and enough friends that, like, you know, people will call you up, like, like right before the Tennessee game. Like, hey, I got you an extra ticket if you want it. And I'm like, shut up. It's like a one versus one matchup. And so, yeah, I went to that game and then I was like, you know what? I went to the cocktail party before that. Um, that was my first time doing that. Jacksonville sucks. It um, does. But Auburn was awesome, dude. Auburn was awesome. I had like, like I could not spend four to six years of my life there because there's not shit to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the everyone was super nice. Like it was the environment for the stadium was crazy uh, for a three and six team. I had a, I had a great time. I guess also got free tickets and got to go on the field. So that was probably helpful. I mean, you can't be either one of those things, but it, no. uh, it's on our list. We're trying to hit every road stadium in the right. SEC and which hopefully will get easier once the conference expands and they change the scheduling model, because yeah. if you're trying to go to Texas A&M once every 12 years, that's tough, tough. You don't so, have Texas ever, but by the way, I, I don't know if you ever kept up with any of my Twitter about uh, happy birthday, Kip. That was the highlight of the whole trip. I got to meet that, uh, the, the, <laughs> what do you call it? The yell leaders. I saw that. I love that. I thought that was great. I went out and yeah, bought I mean, some, some overalls. They wouldn't let me in with them. They were like, no. Oh, that's funny. I saw the overalls on the – did you do it on the recap? You wore them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you that's want them, you can have them. They're size double XL. I have a pair of Georgia overalls that I wear every cocktail party. It's the only, I wear them once a year. I wear them for the cocktail party, and that's it. So it's, it's a they theme like Jinkos with a, with a vest? Because that's what Dude, mine is. I got them – like bought them off eBay in like 2006. I don't even know if it's a real brand or anything. Yeah. And it's obviously something that somebody like heat stamped on. It's just a, you know, <laughs> it's really like clip art football that just says Georgia football, but they're solid red and it says Georgia on it. So I, I roll with it because it's just a ridiculous outfit, right? Yeah. Like, who the hell wears overalls? So if, uh, no, sure. so this is, this is what I was worried about was as soon as I put them on and again, they were double XL. So they were very spacious for me, but I was like, I'm just really worried about falling in love with these things. And I did. I flat out did. <laughs> All right, next game on the agenda, I think, is an a interesting one because Ole Miss, obviously, huge letdown after the loss last weekend. Yeah. Their path to Atlanta is now gone. But this game still matters a lot because they have they could play in a New Year's Six if things fall right. Yeah. Um, so they got to go to play Arkansas. We love Sam Pittman, love what he's doing there. They had a tough one last weekend, had a lot of opportunities, I thought, against LSU. Couldn't cash it in. Old Miss, a two and a half point favorite. Do you like him to go on the road and cover that? No, I don't. I think that we're going to have a weird situation this weekend. Like, I think Vegas obviously knows something. They knew something last week with LSU that yep. made no sense to anybody. Yep. I think Casey Jefferson was out. Yeah. And, and you still have that, that, uh, just very, very odd. I don't know. Like, like Arkansas defense is bad, but they're only bad at, at like defending the pass. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that they are going to – I just – I think Ole Miss being one-dimensional on offense in terms of, like, their strength being running the football. You, you've seen, you know, games like Auburn where they put up 390 yards or whatever, but, like, you know, Quinshawn Quinson Jenkins had a really good game. He's not – I don't think he's going to do that, like, you know, for – he can't carry that entire team is what I'm trying to say. Like, Jackson yeah. Dart has, has just not been anywhere close to being what we thought it would be. Now, like, you know, Zach Evans is out. Vegas has to know something. And I think there's definitely going to be a letdown where 
this is the exit like interview for Kevin. So my co-host is going to take Ole Miss. James is going to take Ole Miss. I, I'm kind of with you. I have this weird feeling about this game. Yeah. And I just think it's a game that the Hogs steal. I think anybody that's yelling Woo Pig Suey on Saturday is going to have a nice day. I just well, – and, and, and that's whether or not KJ plays. Um, yeah. I, I just think – I don't know. It, it, this is just a weird one. And to your point, man, watching Ole Miss has been kind of put your brain in a pretzel this year because you expect a lane team to fling it all around and have yeah. electric passing game. And they've been the exact opposite. And I think in some ways he's gotten in his own way a little bit because he, I don't know, they, they should have run the ball way more than they did last weekend. I thought when they drive yeah. down that last drive and they get inside the red zone, hey, we'll just keep flowing it, right? Yeah. And they, oh, yeah, we're just going to put the game in Jackson Dart's hands because that's a good idea. They, and he did they it. Had a, like, he always does something like that, I feel like. Where, and he's, he is the best offensive line in football, him and Sark uh, for, for college football. Yes. But but no, you're right about like the Jackson Dart thing. I thought he would be great, and and you know he's always had a great quarterback. That like Jake Coker put up three or three thousand yards, right? Um, but I will say also that like when you have two running backs like that, then yeah, like that's those are the horses. Like let them run. Um, I don't. I I thought it was hilarious. I didn't realize how many people thought that that Ole Miss got screwed over in that game completely, and it was they should have won the game like outright because of a pass interference call in the second quarter and whatever else but all i know is i was watching it from the sidelines in auburn stadium about to lose my damn mind because i knew in fact if we did lose they were going to broadcast that shit over and over and over again it was going to be awful yeah Yeah, it's uh they're they're an interesting interesting watch this year and it is gonna be interesting to see what happens to lane because i i I think Ole miss is a nice fit for him but i also think lane is ambitious so I think he will take a bigger job if it yeah. becomes available. So it, it'll be interesting to watch that. All right. Next one on the list is Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma That's State. This weekend? This weekend. I know it's weird. I always thought that was an end of the year thing, but apparently it it's is. not. Um, so the Pokes are going to Norman to play the Sooners. Sooners are a seven and a half point home favorite. Let me give you a fun fact about Bedlam. Two things, actually. Did you know that Bedlam does not originate from the football rivalry at all? Bedlam started with the wrestling programs at the two schools, which who knew that Oklahoma state is like the Alabama of college wrestling. Are they really? I thought Iowa was. That's what I thought. Oklahoma state, apparently one of the preeminent wrestling programs in all of America. So that's where all this started. And Oklahoma state dominates the wrestling rivalry. You cannot sing the same story though for the football rivalry. No, not at all. We can't even really call this a rivalry. Oklahoma has won this game 90 times, 90. I don't Oklahoma even know how State, many total years they've played, but it can't be much more than 90. Oklahoma State only has 19 wins in the history of the Bedlam football rivalry. 19, brother. So, the first thing that pops to my mind when you say that is, I remember the 100th game between Bama and Mississippi State, it was 81 to 19. So that's that's what like the the level you're putting this game That's I didn't know that. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, insane. So Oklahoma's seven-and-a-half-point home favorite, which weird year for the Sooners, but yeah. – History's on their side, it seems. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of history. Um, man, I tell you what, Mike Gundy's really good in spots with this. Like, he's really, really good in this kind of spot, being like an underdog on the road. Up until two weeks ago, I, my co-host brought up the set uh, on one of our episodes. He 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 had some ridiculous, like, record like, in that spot and also, like, winning outright. And then they lose to TCU. And then last week, where he had an opportunity to, like, Dude, Mike Gundy bounce back game, bro. They will be fine. And I looked up and it was 49 to nothing against um, 
the fighting Bill Snyder. So that's right. Yeah. Emo. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Oklahoma state though in this one. Cause I, I hate Oklahoma. James is taking Oklahoma state too. man. This is, I, this is the game I hate the most on the pick sheet this week. I number one, I hate this number seven and a half just stinks out loud. Yeah. I don't like that. Uh, the other thing is Oklahoma looked like trash against a really bad West Virginia team last weekend. And yeah. Oklahoma's just been so, I don't know, man, all over the map. Yeah. It feels like, and some of that's been quarterback play. They haven't been steady at the quarterback position, but I think I'm going to take Oklahoma State too. I I don't oh, know that they'll I don't know that they'll win straight up, but I, I just don't love the seven and a half number for Oklahoma. So I'm sure uh, taking Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm going to take the Pokes to cover on this, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't think they'll win straight up. All right, the next one is uh, what I think will be a fun game to watch at the Rose Bowl this weekend, which apparently has been quote quote I do quotations sold out. sold out because they still got the tarps up. Like it seats ninety thousand. I don't give a shit, man. That's awesome. I, yeah, I was, well, that, that is a good point because I was wondering they're like sold out 72,000 people. I'm like, I know like 150 people fit in there, yeah. like 150,000 people. It's it, awesome, it, ain't, it ain't Rose Bowl game sold out, but it's sold out for what they're yeah. Hey, that's a step in the right direction for what it was two months ago. So good I, for I them. I guarantee they're getting like a tax break or like a bowl of quinoa for free or something. It's sort of why people are even going. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, that's absolutely true. Maybe there'll be a free yoga session on the way into the game. <laughs> So USC is a two and a half point favorite. So we're going to talk about the number, but I also want to talk about the over under on this because it's yeah. 75. So we're going to do a okay. double dip here. We won't count the over under pick, but I'm just this interested. You know. I'm having so much fun. This is great. So who do you like in this? Would you like the Trojans to go in there and take care of their business or to the fight and chip Kelly's uh, have a, have a nice evening in Pasadena. Let me tell you that I loved that 2005 USC team with Lindell white and Reggie Bush. And one of my favorite moments in college football, they were down like four scores and within like seven minutes, they come back up on Arizona state and Lindell white looks back and goes, we too dominant. And that was it. <laughs> um, I, I love, I love that from USC. I hate the USC that's there currently. Um, and there's so many reasons why um, there's a lot of talent there in Lincoln Riley. I mean, I would have gone out there too, if it lived in that house, like, I mean, mm-hmm. it would have been, I would have gone out there if you put me in an apartment, to be honest, it's really nice. But um, not, but not if he was serving brisket brother. But so here's the thing. Here's what I don't like about USC is that like I brought this up earlier. My ex, my ex's family all went to all these different schools. So her sister went to USC and I remember her having uh, an argument with me about um, the capacity of, of the stadium at USC. And I knew the correct answers and numbers that I'd already thrown out there. We we're just talking facts. We we're just talking factual statements. And she was like, actually, they sell out every weekend. It's 120,000 people. And I was like, I don't know how to tell you you're stupid because I just met you and I don't want to have like a bad impression. Um, but USC fans, I get there's a lot to do in LA. Like they just do not belong in the playoff conversation this year. And UCLA is a fun team to watch. I love DTR. Um, not when you have to do it with a girl, but I do love DTR. And then I like Chip Kelly. I feel like there's certain games, like in the same way Kiffin does this, Chip Kelly is a big enough asshole that like that will be what propels him to win this game. So James is going to take USC. He's, he likes the Trojans in this one. I am going to take the Bruins. I've liked the Bruins all year. They've burnt me a couple times, uh, especially when they went to Eugene to play Oregon. But I think that that game didn't suit them well. I think with a Dan Lanning defense, they've got right. NFL talent at the mid-level in that defense. I, I think that worked against what UCLA Going wants against to the best do. quarterback in the country. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Bo Nix. Somebody said that last week, and I was like, are, what, what alternative reality am I Dude, living in right now where we're talking about Bo Nix is going to win the highest? He's <laughs> the fifth best odds. 
It's he's crazy. Better odds, he has better odds than Bryce Young. He's got better odds than Stetson, I think. Uh, that's stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I like what Chip Kelly's doing there. And right. I like that UCLA has given him time because I think what he does at the college level still works. Now, the more fun thing about this game is the total. How many points are they scoring in this game? Because nobody's playing any defense. I mean, they might I, as well put flags on for this game. So UCLA makes me believe that's true. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, like, they got soft last week. I mean, I've watched the U. I've watched this USC team underperform on offense at times this year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. Seventy-five is a lot. <laughs> so many points. So many points. Unless you're what was it? SMU Houston. Unless you're SMU Houston, then it's just what you call the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, also if you think about it, it's thirty-eight, thirty-seven. Yeah. I think they hit that man. I think it, that game's getting in the forties. I think yeah, on I both sides. That. Okay. So like that. that That'll be an interesting one to watch. Okay, another Pac-12 matchup. Utah going to Eugene, which this game not as sexy because Oregon drops one last weekend. But because the Oregon's, Mormons involved. Yeah, two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Do the Ducks hold serve here? Or does Utah go in and get, get a nice win? This is a tough one, man, because you, like Utah owned them last year twice. Yep. They, they beat them twice. Uh, and, I, I, you know, we say it, and it's, it's funny because we all know – what we saw from Bo Nix for three consecutive years, like mm-hmm. just the acne faced Ivan Drago, just throwing the ball everywhere where he shouldn't like everywhere, but where it should be. And he's going out to Oregon, man. He's like, like outside of the Georgia game. What's the craziest part for me is his completion percentage is insane. Like he's gone over 80% yeah. a whole bunch of times. Um, take the over for sure. Whatever it is. Um, I, I like Oregon probably to score first too. I wonder how Bo Nix bounces back after you have that loss because they, you know, now everything is is you know gone for him in terms of like the what's in front of him. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Oregon just because Utah. I hate it. I don't like I don't like geese, which is close to ducks, and I really don't like uh, most Mormon documentaries that I've seen on Netflix. There's always some <laughs> somebody else is not like no good. All right, James is gonna take the Utes. I'm real conflicted on this man. I love Dan Lanning. And I think yeah. he will be successful if he stays in Eugene. And I think he'll build a defense there, which it's weird to say about Oregon. But I, th- I think he will do that. Um, I am a little bit interested about Bo. I haven't heard anything this week because he got injured at the end of the game last week. So I don't know. Is, th- is that a is it ankle thing or what it was? I know he came I mean, in for the last drive. but As long um, as they're not playing TJ Finley behind him, they should be fine. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, th- th- I just – I can't get past Utah losing to Florida, so I'm taking Oregon. I, if we you're won. up, like, I, I, I don't care. You should not lose to that Florida team. I mean, that's just an absolute travesty. Did I, I have any money that. on that? Did I have any money on that game? That's neither here nor there. Yeah. Fair. Um, so, all right, last game of the day. We always pick the dogs last. So the dogs are going to Lexington. It's going to be very cold in Lexington. I think the high on Saturday is going to be 30. Yeah. Dogs are a 22 and a half point favorite. This is not a will Georgia win. They're going to win the football game. Do they cover <laughs> that number? Um, man, I don't know. I like what's again the first half. I, like, a majority of my success in betting this year has been the first half number. I know that's what we're not, we're not talking about, but there's so much value there. And Georgia has kind of turned the corner where they struggled early in games that, this year. Um, and the last three games they scored at least 14 points in, in all of them uh, in the first quarter. I say all that because it's important because Kentucky is the worst first quarter scoring team in not just the SEC, they're bottom three in the entire country. 
they have been leading. This is a, up until I'm not sure, uh, but I think they were losing to Vandy too. They had not led a, uh, a FBS opponent at the half this year besides Miami of Ohio, and it was by three points. Think about that. Ooh, I love that. That's a great the, stat. The only thing that's confusing for me here is, I mean, are y'all going to look ahead to Georgia Tech first off? Because I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's a big um, one. But like, Will Will Levis played his arguably one of his best games like in his whole career against y'all, um, and he didn't do that. He was never going to beat you, but he didn't have a single turnover, which blows my mind because he it, like. That's like all he does. So I, I don't think that he, they have anything where they can hang with you guys for four quarters. Um, does Kirby pull anybody out? I don't know. Or like, are you guys still going to like hide some of the playbook? Cause it's like at this point, there's so much shit that, that Kirby is doing, like, like maneuvering like the big picture stuff, like playing chess. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just never know. Well, I'm, I'm going to put you to it. Taking Georgia. Okay. I like that. James is going to take the dogs. I'm going to take the dogs too. And for the same reasons that I took them against Kentucky last year. Everything Kentucky wants to do are the things that we do well to take away. So they have to run the football with Chris Rodriguez to be successful. They will not do that against our defense. So then, then what are they going to do? Then Will Levis has to beat us. I'll take that. I mean, I feel great about that. Banana bro. Man. Wow. Yeah. What did he, then he also put anyone puts Mayo in the coffee too. I he's, he's he's going to be a very impressive kid and he's going to show out well, the combine, I had enough of that shit and like at the start before media days. And I was like, I get it. I get it. You're quirky. Yeah. And I You're just, Lisa man, Loeb. their offensive line is trash, like real bad. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a, a very, I think it's going to be a long day to be a wildcat fan. Um, also, he came out with the, with the quote this week. Did you hear the quote he had? I guess it was Monday or Tuesday. He's saying, I think we're coming out with our piss hot on Saturday. He's <laughs> piss hot. Yeah. He said, I think we'll come out with our piss hot on Saturday. So that you need you to get that checked out, brother. Sometimes yeah. that everything goes away. Yeah. So the, I thought that was a, uh, that was an interesting one. So yeah, he's, he's an interesting cat. I do like Mark Stoops. And I think people in Kentucky are nuts for pissing the moaning about them not having a good year, given that they're a basketball school, even though they don't want to acknowledge that. Let me ask you a question about this. Cause I've, I've heard it from more than one person. And I thought it was the dumbest comment that I'd ever heard each time a different person brought it up, <laughs> but like more like, you know, multiple people said it. So, um, there, this is like in the summer. I remember this guy was telling me, like, in you know, like a Twitter space. So he was like, Listen, you think Kirby forgot what Mark Stoops did last year? And I was like, Well, I definitely did. So what are you talking about? And he was like, Oh, God. On the timeout at the end of the at the end of the game, so they, they could score. Yeah. And I was like, brother, I, I don't know how to say this. I bet Kirby hasn't thought about that at all in the offseason. 100 percent That's 100 percent right. Um, but there's been yeah. like a little groundswell of like people that think that he's gonna run it up. No, I First off, I, I don't I don't ever remember the entire seven years he's been there, Kirby ever running it up. It seems to be the inverse of that. He seems to be like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna we're we're just gonna take the air out now and just yeah. kinda let it go. Like they it, last year, right? They could have won 10 games and gotten into 50 point range, right? And they yeah. just didn't do it because it, I just I don't think it's his personality. Also, he loves Mark Stoops. Like one yeah. of his favorite coaches in the SEC said, No, I don't. I don't foresee that. And I agree with you. I don't think he's thought about that one second since last November. <laughs> I, I will yeah. I will say the thing you brought about the offensive line is the biggest concern. I, I remember saying this going into the season. Like, it's one thing to lose a receiver and, and, and all that kind of stuff and that kind of talent. But losing, like, three NFL offensive linemen? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if Kentucky's ever had that. And now Jalen Carter's healthy? Yeah. Oh, God. 
Yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. He has been uh he's been something the last few weeks. Like I'll say it, he's good. Oh man. He uh I can't remember what point it was. I think it was third quarter of the Tennessee game. I didn't know the stuff after the game. My co-host James told me ton of ton of NFL scouts there. Yeah. And he walks over to the sideline and does the Oh, I love it even more. I give me my, I love, give me I my money. Give me my money. And I said, Oh, I love that. He was getting triple teamed. Oh, dude, he was, he is, people said it. And even as a fan, I kept going, man, this kind of seems like a little bit of hyperbole, you know, Jalen Carter was the best D lineman on that, on that rotation last year, where you're talking about Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis, Devontae White. I'm Mm -hmm. like, y'all seen Jordan Davis run? I mean, that's a, that's a large American that can move. I just love you called an American for one and two. (laughs) I remember watching the combine and one of the scouts, like I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought about it up until that point. He was like, yeah, 15 guys can get drafted. And uh, he's like, you know, like, honestly, the most talented player on that team is still back in Athens. And I was like, who? Who, who could it yeah. be? Like, Kirby? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, Jalen Carter, fun fact, he was a punter on his high school team. Did he kick mm-hmm. field goals? Because we should have recruited him for that. Yeah, yeah. So, I think he went to a Popka. I think that was his high school. But or Zach Greenke um, went. Zach Greenke went to a Popka? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that fact. I'm going to use that for sure. Zach Grinke, the most interesting man in baseball. He's the most awkward. He is the weirdest person ever. If you have not read the series of articles that the Kansas City Royals beat writer for The Athletic did on him this summer, and all he did was interview teammates and said, tell me stories that, about Zach. He's laugh, laugh out loud funny. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. All right, Chris. Well, that's the slate, brother. I feel good about your picks. Yeah, so, man, I appreciate it. I'm sorry I, I talked your ear off for so long, but I really, really enjoyed it, man. And um, anytime well, look, you can convince Georgia fans I'm not that bad of a person. Well, we're happy to do that because we know that's the truth. So tell tell our listeners how they can follow you and support you. Yeah, so my uh, home address is um, – no, I'm kidding. Uh, so <laughs> it's um, Saturday Down South, but I, really you can just – I'm not really involved on the, the website or anything like that. So we have the podcast, which is called College Football Uncensored. Um, we have the new episode coming out tomorrow and then every Sunday. So if you love college football and you know, if you don't mind the F word, you'll love it. Um, and then on Twitter and Instagram, uh, at Vern Funquist. And, uh, that's about it, man. Yeah. And then we have the, the YouTube, go check out the YouTube channel. I hate saying that. Um, cause every time I get on there, that's like my whole job now is trying to grow our YouTube channel. And I'm like, got all these books and trying to learn how to like, do like thumbnails and shit. And there's like some eight year old that's like, I'm going to drink tomato juice for five straight days. And it's got 8 million views. I'm like, cool, Brendan. Thanks a lot. Well, we're going to put all that in the show notes, guys, make sure and go follow and support Chris every way you can. And we will uh, link everything out, but we appreciate it, brother. You're welcome back. Anytime you want to come on. We certainly enjoyed it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Y'all have a good one, man. Good luck this weekend. Hey, George is better now. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details